In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. It's a victory podcast. The Cleveland Browns are fourth in the NFL. We are now officially nine and three and 93% chance of making the playoffs. I'm here with Jack Duffin and Ian Wright, right, right. Jack, how are you, buddy? I'm good. It was beautiful. Um, no, it just felt a bit surreal, to be honest. Um, I've been there. People are asking. I've always felt before the game it was nearer... 50-50, then it got out to like a six-point advantage to the Titans. I thought they might win today, but I thought it'd be close. Um, but we just saw passing, passing, passing. The run, the end of the run game, two teams that were much more efficient when the ball was in the air and it wasn't plodding along like it usually is. Ian, how would you sum it up, mate? The Browns, again, have taken the next step, you know, the biggest criticism you heard all week, well, they haven't beaten anybody since the Colts, and the Colts didn't have this guy. And, you know, if my aunt had a penis, she'd be my uncle. There was always these, yeah, but ifs, what's, and abouts. Well, the Browns went on the road. And listen, I know home field right now is what it is, but just still, a player going through the travel situation, situation right now is difficult because you're away from your friends, you're away from your family, you're away from your wives, you got to travel down to Tennessee. And you took a division-leading team, and you took them to the woodshed. And listen, I get the final score ended in six, but I don't think at any point really after halfway through the third quarter, Browns fans saw this game ending in some other resort uh, result. And then at the end, you had the fluky fumble on the quarterback sneak, whatever. So the game was – the final score did not indicate what the actual game was. The Browns convincingly beat the Titans. I don't think there's really anybody that can dispute that. Ian, you've been a Browns fan longer than us. Let's just be honest. When have you ever experienced the Browns looking and feeling as good as they do now? The closest would have been 2007. Um, I remember that season because I was, I was living in Ohio and I had made it to a lot of the games. And it was just a fun team. They put up a lot of points. They were scoring. The games were back and forth. You know, similar actually to this team where the offense was a little bit ahead of the defense. And then once the Browns became the only team, I think, in NFL history to that point to win 10 games and not make the playoffs, it kind of just poo-pooed everything. We come back in 2008, we got no draft picks, and we've pretty much been in the tank ever since. Wow. Yeah, okay. So 2007, was, and we're talking 13 years. You, we're talking uh, Joe Thomas's rookie year. Anything else you've seen? Uh, like this or not? You know, early in the 2000s, we had a couple teams that were relevant, but the problem is, is the Browns have had trouble sustaining success. So it's one of those things where we have a good season, then we follow it up from the bad. 
But one of the reasons is, is I don't think we were ever completely sold on an identity of a team. You know, one year we're out throwing the ball all over the yard and then come late December, Derek Anderson has to travel to Cincinnati where there's 50 miles an hour winds and he can't complete a pass more than five yards. The team looked awful. This team has a different identity. It has, you know, the running ability. It has the passing ability. It can go out in bad weather and win a game. It can go out in good weather and win a game. It can, you know, it just seems like the team is a lot more versatile in terms of the ways it can win. And I don't think my recent memory since the Browns have come back, we've seen a team that is this balanced in terms of the ways it can win. And I think that really kind of goes back to Andrew Barry, Paul D. Podesta, and the man, the myth, the legend, Kevin Stefanski. Well, let's, let's break down the show like we always do. You know, we are winning nine and three with a 93% chance of going to the playoffs. So I want us to think about that when we rate the offense and defense. Anyone who's not watching this live Jack is shaking his head. But Jack, let's go straight to you. Well, but my point was that we're not grading the record. We're grading the performance. And that's really important. So don't give me any of that nonsense, Paul. Well, we could be a little bit more generous, though, no? I, I think we are going to be generous. Ooh. And I, I, I'm going to kick it off. I tweeted out during the game, during the first half. I said, great to see the Browns passing to put points on the board rather than trying to run the clock out in the first quarter. And that's true. For all the people who said, let's have a run-first offense. If you ever watch teams that have a run-first offense, they always keep the game usually within a one-score game all the way until you get to the fourth quarter and then you might separate. I don't want to be that sort of crappy team that just bundles their way over a win. Go up there and dominate. By the end of the first quarter, it looked like we were going to win the game. That's where I want to be. I don't want to be sitting there hoping in the fourth that we get it over the line. Let's win the game in the first quarter. And you can't do that if you're running the ball all the time. We took the ball out of Nick Chubb's hands. We put it in the air and we absolutely spanked them. Kevin Stefanski deserves so much credit because it was a phenomenal game plan. Uh, The Donovan People-Jones touchdown was brilliant. Um, I don't really care what happened in the uh, second half. they'd basically moved into prevent on offense, prevent on defense. It was just running the clock out, which yes, you shouldn't really do it. Um, You want to be a a little bit more like the um, chiefs and just put the foot on the neck a little bit more. Um, But it's not the end of the world. Um, It was always pretty comfortable. I know it went down to a, uh, whatever it was onside kick at the end, but I don't fear when you got like, what is it? 96, 97% chance of winning an onside kick. I ain't that worried. Um, but no, phenomenal performance. Great to see in the air. The first real time this season, other than I would say probably the Colts, we showed some promising signs in the air. But in terms of a great in the air performance, it's, it's comfortably the best best game Baker's ever played. Oh, I like that, Jack. And what it, at least in the NFL, it? God knows about college. And uh, what number are you going to give it out of 10? I'm, I'm going to give it a nine. The only thing stopping it as a 10 is the fact that it went into prevent and didn't really keep going in the second half. So that's the only thing I'm going to dock a point for. If you ask me to grade that first half, I'll give it a 12 out of 10. Um, but I think a nine's fair because if they'd have stuck their foot on it and continued through the third, period, uh, third quarter, then you can talk about giving it a 10. When you allow a team even to have the remote possibility 
Um, one of my biggest regrets of the day, though, how I didn't go ahead and just chuck a load of money on a Tennessee plus 22 and a half at halftime. It was such an easy bet, and uh, I didn't do it. So uh, my poor bank balance. Yeah, for anyone who listened to the podcast, who has got a gambling addiction, don't always listen to Jack's takes because uh, you could be very rich or you could be very poor. I didn't lose any money. <laughs> I just didn't make it. All right. Ian's going through all our history on the Paul Brown podcast as we talk. Is that the highest score we've ever given the Browns offense? If, if it isn't, it should be because to Jack's point, it all starts with a good game plan. And the Browns knew, and you had heard t- discussion about this throughout the week. The Browns needed to get off to a fast start to help not tempt Mike Vrabel into just using the battering ram that is known as Derrick Henry. So by the Browns getting up in the first quarter, 10, nothing, and then piling on four, you know, four touchdowns in the second half or in the second quarter, you've pretty much rendered a guy who had been averaging high twenties, low thirties in carries to a sub 20 carry performance, which is what the Browns were looking to do. So not only did the offense come out and impose its will, but it actually helped its counterparts on the other side of the defense because yes, until the second half, when the defense started moving or the defense started giving up some yardage, the first half was pretty much them keeping the Titans offense in containment, which by the way is a hard thing to do for a team that's averaging over 30 points a game. And there's also a big misnomer out there that the Browns are the only team in the NFL to give up big leads like this. Yes. Are there some games that end 41 to three? Yes. But go watch like Steelers games. Go look at what they did against the Eagles. They get up big two Eric Ebron fumbles and boom, the Eagles are right into it. The Steelers always let teams hang around and then teams come back and then they fall short. So aside from Baker and that fumble on the QB sneak, you're talking about the Browns winning 41 to 28. That's, that's good. And offensively, yes, you didn't need Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to be the battering Rams in the first half to the point where the Browns threw seven passes in the second half. Baker threw 26 times in the first half, seven in the second half. You ran the ball. You still got over 100 yards rushing. You got 118 total between you know Chubb, Hunt, and Mayfield. You threw for 340 yards and four touchdowns. Offensively, the balance was there. Hollywood Higgins is getting in there. I mean – Hell, we completed a pass to an offensive lineman. Here we are 10 minutes into the podcast. We haven't mentioned that a freaking offensive lineman caught a touchdown pass. That was probably my highlight of the game. 10 different receivers caught passes today. Offensively, to Jack's point, that's a nine. That is 100% a nine. It's not a 10. 10's, we got a reserve 10. 10 is like what you're always striving to. If you give it 10, then we match everything up to this, but you hung 41 points against the Titans who, yes, they're not a very good third down defense, but overall they've got some decent players out there and the Browns hung 41 on them. Nine. There's one thing I'd always love to say, and I, 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 smart people have spoke about is why is the sixth um, O lineman not used more than the blocking tight end? Because it's almost, what is the point of having a blocking tight end on your roster? Because you're not, you're not going to get that quality from a blocking tight end that you get from the O-lineman. So I, I think the right move is you whack the O-lineman in there because um, at the end of the day, if you're going to throw it to him, it's going to trick him as hell anyway. So, um, yeah, for me, less blocking tight end, more Kendall Lamb. All right. 
I'm going to go with a nine as well. I thought it was a great performance. Obviously, the second half was quiet. Um, we didn't really do a lot in the second half. But yeah, like we've all said, that was probably the best NFL offense performance that I've seen this season on Red Zone, for example, that Cleveland Browns put up there. Yeah, I think the 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 big point on offense, so we talk about the second half, because obviously you're going to look at it and say, how the hell did we give up 28 points in the second half? The key possession in the second half, so the Titans we knew were getting the ball. We knew they were going to be gangbusters. I think it was like three plays, 75 yards a minute, and they scored. So you're like, all right, well, we got the ball. Then the Browns came in and ran three plays, went negative three yards, but took two and a half minutes off the clock. So you're like, okay, at least you took some time off the clock. Titans come back, six plays, 61 yards, two minutes and 10 seconds, and get a touchdown. The Browns countered that touchdown with that eight-play, 50-yard drive that resulted in the Cody Parkey field goal. And then on the ensuing possession is when the Titans threw the interception. So there, at that point there, right when that swung from that field goal to that interception, I knew it was over. We ran a couple punts after there. They got a couple late touchdowns, but at that point there, that was you were chasing it. So overall, who would, uh, Jack, who would you give the game ball to on offense? I'll give it to Stefanski. Player. Player, Baker. Paul? I, I, I don't think it's even a debate if you're going to give it to a player. Yeah, Baker Mayfield. He reminded me against the Jets game. He took control. He was confident. Okay, he fumbled it last. But yeah, he was great. Yeah, I, so I think Baker's unanimous. If I'm, if I'm giving some honorable mention, I thought... Jarvis Landry, you know, eight catches, 62 yards, getting in the end zone again. I thought Donovan Peoples-Jones redeeming himself on the long touchdown. It was nice to see some performances. Hollywood Higgins, six catches, 95 yards. Peoples-Jones, 92 yards. Jarvis, eight for 62. And here's another thing I think that is getting going to majorly slept on. The Browns are a legitimate screen pass team now. This was it's only been have, two weeks. I, I need to we, see more than two weeks. We have it. not seen a legitimate screen game out of the Cleveland Browns in a very long time. And we had Dearness getting in there. We had Hunt getting in there on a key first, getting a key first down on a screen. Chubb had a 26 yard screen pass, which could have went for more if it wasn't just for the shoe top. So I do like what Stavansky is doing. And yes, from a managerial standpoint, he's proving himself in gold. But for right now, um, I think that I do like the way this office is developing. Is our O-line one of the best in the league? Yes. Yeah, it's the best. Um, Wills is just slightly below average, but still in that sort of average bucket, but the rest of it is uh, doing wonders. It's the second time in three years we're going to finish with the best interior O-line in the NFL. For all the talk of like, oh, Nick Chubb did it with no O-line, that's just bollocks because year one, year three, he's got the best interior line in the NFL. Um, and it's, it's a phenomenal job to keep that sort of unit together. And a massive kudos goes to uh, O-line coach, name's gone. Um, Bill Callahan. Bill Callahan. Um, just extend that man. Give him whatever he wants. Give him QB money. Pay the man. I believe he's also the assistant head coach. Yeah. So, but no, you're, you're 100% right. Good old lineman, good old line coach, good old line. Who'd have thunk it? I think one interesting thing is going to be to know when we go into next game, do we go do it again? Because I want to see, I want to see this Baker, uh, because that's something we really need to know. 
Yeah, the PFF stats had come out and said, yeah, he played well in the four games before this. But it didn't really matter for something. When It's all right playing well when you're only throwing 12 completions in a game. It doesn't really fill you with confidence and say, this is the guy I want to pay and put the team on his back. Um, whereas, let's go see what he can do. And I, I'm really excited because it's a good matchup, this uh, Ravens. Obviously, they've had a few COVID issues and bits and pieces, but let, let's go out and see him do it again and again and again. And then let's, let's get through the defense special teams and let's come back to this Ravens because I, I think that there's more I want to build off on that Ravens game um, because you, you're leading down a very, very wise path. But we will elaborate on that. Paul, defensively, what'd you feel? Defensively, I'm going to go with a seven. No, I'm joking. I would go with a six. Why is that? I felt like we were weak. Not very many. Um, obviously, got Miles Garrett and the D line's quite strong. But yeah. Past that, there was quite a lot of um, tier two players in there, and I thought they did well, but it wasn't a one defense. That's what my view. So I'm going with a six out of ten. All right, Jack, tell him why he's right or wrong. It's horrible because I want to give him a seven, but I don't know if I can give him an eight um, because they were, they were great the first half. It was really really good. Second half, I get they're playing prevent in a way. They need to do better. Or almost, I want to give them eight for the first half and then six for the second half, which should average out at a seven. But if I'm going to go one or the other, I'm going to have to go six, which hurts me because I, I think that's harsh. On, but they, they didn't do enough to get to an eight. You're both wrong. It's an eight. And here's why. Oh. Yes. And now remember, last week, I shit all over this defense as much as I possibly could. And I'm not going to lie to you all week. I had nightmares about number 22 from the Titans, just turning this game into a prison movie. They held Derrick Henry to 15 carries for 60 yards, no touchdown. And his longest carry was 10 yards. Yes. Corey Davis, 11 care or 11 catches, 182 yards. That's fine. Because if I had to pick one, out of A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, and Corey Davis, I picked Corey Davis that I let beat me, and I took away Derrick Henry. They kept Derrick Henry under 75 yards. That's a win. You, Yes, A.J. or AJ Brown rolled an ankle, whatever. The guy's still an absolute beast. We were worried what he was going to do to our secondary. We saw what he did to Marlon Humphrey in the Ravens game. This Titans offense is powerful. You held them. I mean, yes, Tannehill in garbage time threw for 389 yards. You got three sacks on defense. You got uh, forced two fumbles, which I, I swear, by the way, as a Browns fan, I've never seen so many forced fumbles, recoveries, touchdowns from the other team than watching this team. However, you did force two fumbles. You recovered, or no, you forced three, right? Because Kevin Johnson had the recovery on Derrick Henry, and then you had the one on A.J. Brown. So you forced three fumbles, you recovered two, you got a turnover on the interception, and you got three sacks. You held Derrick Henry under 75 yards. You held A.J. Brown without a score, eight. There may be a little bit of a handicap of sliding scale because it's our defense, but still, that was an eight performance. All right, Ian, 
for that because reason. Think of, you're not, are we really going to crush Trump, the defense? Are we going to crush the defense because State. Baker fumbled the snap and gave him a short field? Like, no, I'm not. For that, for your Trump Oscar winning speech, we're going to give you an eight. Simple as that, mate. That's fantastic. I'd like to thank everybody. Just on uh, Corey Davis, it was uh, Hawaii Brown threw it out there. Potential uh, Browns free agent right there. And uh, the, the funniest part of the commentary for me, I, I don't know what that I commentator know was on. He, he'd been absolutely smashed when he was commentating, when he said they're the same build and style of play, Jarvis Landry and AJ Brown. It was like, where did they get this fucking idiot? Because it's just ridiculous. I mean, if you put Jarvis Landry in a sumo suit, he got your rival, Oh, and on a bloody horse, so he could keep up with him. He's not in the same athletic profile. He's not in the same skill set. Jarvis has better hands sometimes, oh, except when cool. the ball smacks him in the face. But it's just, oh, I just couldn't believe. Yeah, it. I heard that, and I was like, I don't think he meant to say that. Yeah, I, I was googling. Have, have they got a, like a defensive tackle with the same name? Mr. Brown on the D line. <laughs> AJ Green, maybe our cornerback. So, but no, I thought defensively, I thought they played really well. Um, third down efficiency for the Titans. They were two of 10 on third downs. You know, they were three of four on fourth downs, which was a problem that reared itself early in the season. But I think Joe Woods has done a good job. All this less Denzel Ward, by the way. But it was nice having Miles back. And listen, I get it. The NFL is trying to cut down on holding penalties. When you watch Miles Garrett get his neck turned worse than a chiropractor, can can the man get a flag? Like, my gosh, his head got turned 90 degrees the one way. He's getting held on one side. He's sacking the quarterback while being held. Like, what? What? Come on. Come on, Zebras. Give number 95 some love. And so, something else uh, Woods doesn't get credit for. He's playing a defensive scheme that he doesn't actually really want to play because the personnel's not there yet. He's already said he wants to play nickel and dime. That's where he wants to be. He doesn't want to be playing base, as they call it, uh, old-school defense of a 4-3. He doesn't want to be doing that. The reason he's doing that is because we don't have enough DBs, which Barry will address, and you can't do everything in one offseason. So, that and you have guys coming back. I mean, you got yeah. Delpit coming back. So yeah, that's a big Harrison, one. Yeah, and I actually, yeah, at this point, I'm okay bringing Carl Joseph back. I'm not giving him a big deal, but I'd, I'd bring him back. MJ and Stewart, Money Mitch. Money, yeah, these guys are playing fine. And the other guy I'm not sleeping on, I know he gets crushed. How many times did you see Sendejo fly up there and put a hit on Derrick Henry? Not many guys have the gravitas to do that. Yeah, he struggles in coverage sometimes. I get it. PFF is going to rip him for a couple plays. But, man, you know what? I give, my, I give a hat tip to that guy. I think he led the team in tackles today, had like eight tackles. That guy is just a player, man. He, he, he leaves it all out there. You know, for the longest time, we always wondered if there was guys mailing it in. But, man, I thought Sendejo today, I, th- I thought he played pretty well, and he was one of the key pieces in helping keep Derrick Henry contained. Yeah, I think B.J. Goodson is one that deserves a shout-out as well. Yeah, yeah, B.J. Goodson on the two-point conversion. Sticking him at the goal line, baby. Look at that. Head on it. And, hey, you know what? I will say this. Mac Wilson. Yes, Mac Wilson like, chasing him down. Hit one-on-one, he took Henry to the ground. There was some Bama love there, but yeah. Surprised enough, Malcolm Smith, our guy, coming in with that punch-out fumble. 
I thought the linebackers today played pretty well and hard pressed to go without giving Sheldon Richardson a shout out. I'm telling you, I want to keep that guy around. We'll figure out the contract, do what we got. Him being able to punch that ball out of there, causing Derek Henry, Derek Henry to fumble the ball for the first time in nearly 400 carries. Shout out to you, Mr. Sheldon Richardson. Play Malcolm Smith. I'd like to keep well, it around. And I thought OV had a pretty good game. Start of the season, I particularly was saying this linebacker room is not strong enough, and it's definitely proving me wrong. Mm. You know, some major injuries. And, you know, it's not we strong. Are not- it's just a. Bodge job that does enough. Yeah, and it parlays off Jack's point of saying, like, this isn't what Woods wants to run. So realistically, if Woods has the personnel he wants, he doesn't need this many linebackers. So. All right, special team. So we go with a six or an eight on defense. We're going for an eight. You've sold how, it. How good was it? Who? Who? Mr. Scott Hammer's second punt of the game came in the middle of the fourth quarter. Way. Amazing what happens when you're passing the ball and not running it. You actually score more points and less punting. Magic. It's almost like Jamie could have gone out for a pint in Nashville the night before and still been okay to go by 2.30 in the afternoon. I've got to say, Nashville was one of the grounds I wanted to go this year. So, yeah, I was very upset I wasn't at the game. Um, some people online were saying Scottish Hammers' second or third punt wasn't very good. Anyone got any feedback on that? His first one, he ended up kicking the nose of it, which caused – so when you kick the front of the ball, the nose will come down. So that's what he did on his first punt. It, here's the thing. It didn't hurt him because he got a little bit of an extra bounce, which was okay. Um, but the second one where he boomed it nice and high and deep, it was the one that was fair caught with, within the 10. But, yeah, I think his first punt didn't even get 40 yards. So that's the one that people were crushing him about. Got you. All right. Jack, what number are you going to go with special teams? They, they were com- barely even noticed them, so I, w- I want to go with seven, but I, I, I'll go with whatever you guys want. I don't really... Come on, Jack. You're, you're more opinionated than that. Mate, uh, our kicker, I think, is having a really good season. Yeah, he seemed to do everything right. Um, in terms of the kickoffs... Parky, you know, Parky didn't miss. So we'll go through this. We'll go through the special teams rundown. Parky didn't miss. Gillen, three punts, 41 average. Donovan Peoples Jones had three punt returns, got a total of one yard. And on. <laughs> Sorry, Ian, say that game. You're fine. Right. Donovan Peoples Jones was returning. I'm giving him a one. <laughs> okay. And we didn't have any kick returns because there was touchbacks and onsides. So is, the, cover- is, is the coverage. On COVID or something. Who's that? Is Hilliard on COVID? No, he was just inactive. They were going to use the Ernest Johnson. But, I mean, at the end of the day, on their kick returns, they averaged 20.8 yards. They didn't have any uh, punt returns. So, our coverage was good in terms of the kick returns. Our kicking was good. Our punts was average. And Donovan Peoples-Jones didn't fumble. The one, to be fair, he had a nice return. It was just called back because number 52 on the special teams, Elijah Lee, decided that he was going to take off about 30 yards in return. So I'd say a six. Six. I mean, there's really not much else there. All right, six it is then. Um, one, thing, one thing I want to say is Baker Mayfield, no interceptions again. I know that's his job not to do in- interceptions, but – it is good that he is holding on. He's not uh, letting the ball go or losing the ball. So that is one thing I am pleased. I don't think he gets a lot of 
comments about. I know he fumbled it on a one-yard um, sneak, but these things happen. But no, and it's not just been the uh, no interceptions. It's actually been a, a big reduction in his turnover-worthy plays. Uh, I think there was only like two in the last four games or something, according to PFF. Um, it was in Brendan Leister's piece and Sam Penix tweeted it out. Um, I don't remember the exact number, but he, he was going from like, even though there was sort of ranging number of interceptions, there's quite a lot of turnover-worthy plays. It's more or less completely got rid of them because, hey, sometimes you throw a, what would be a perfect interception straight into a defender's hands and they don't catch it. Um, you still need to sort of penalise a uh, QB for that. But he's cleaned it up a lot. Um, but no, today was the, it was the complete performance in the first half. Um, you can't ask for any more. Um, obviously, his hard count is getting really good. Um, it's impressive. It's, he's obviously commented that Rodgers is the king when it comes to it. But uh, I think he's definitely doing well. And it's something crazy. It's like twice a game he's averaging. Um, he's getting offsides. And that, that's massive. I also think that it has to go, can't go overlooked. His ability right now to sell the play action in the zone running scheme. I think if you look at a lot of times, and if you really want a kind of a fun, if you're really intently watching the game in peace and quiet, when the Browns run an offensive play, if it's a play action, the minute you tell as a viewer that it's a play action, look instantly to the defense and just look what they're doing because he's able to sell that on the back end. So that tells you that Alex Van Pelt has really been able to sell the fundamentals to them about how to get this working because earlier in the week, I think one of the offensive linemen uh, really talked about it as well. The importance about selling the run in the past is the same product. And I think it really does. And this is Tennessee, a team that offensively runs the same scheme, even defensively. You know, you saw them getting frustrated, you know, a couple penalties that, you know, were a little bit dumb. But at the end of the day, I think his growth and development there has also been noticed. And it goes back to the coaching staff. And it's, it's nice having adults in the room. It's nice having Joe Woods, you know, make some chicken salad out of the chicken shit that he's had in some cases. It's nice seeing that Alex Van Pelt is helping a quarterback like Baker Mayfield grow. It's nice seeing a coach that puts together game plans that, you know, attack our or that attack their weaknesses and really bolster our strengths. It's just nice and refreshing. It seems like there's buy-in. I mean, you know, even Najoku caught a pass today and, you know, he hasn't been mouthing off lately. So you're starting to see other teams get these stupid penalties that the Browns got, you know, it's, 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 it's definitely turning over a leaf that I don't think a lot of people um, are giving the Browns credit for. Yeah, it's um, one thing. Their offense is very reliant in the passing game. And Tannehill's been a really, really good quarterback, really efficient over the last sort of one and a half years, one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, but this very highly built on play action pass. And lots of credit then goes to run game and other things. But in terms of a run game, it doesn't matter. Ben Baldwin's done all the numbers. Having a good run game doesn't impact whether your play action passing is good what does impact it is if you're ahead or in at least neutral game script because the issue is once you get behind no one's falling for a play action pass that you fake because they know you've got to pass it because you're 10 14 more points down so it's really important and the whole game plan changes and um jake spoke about it before jake burns stefanski scheme is set up for a neutral or positive game script if you're behind, you are screwed. And that's something that 
we really need to be aware of. And it's why I think we want to see these high pass splits. We want to see lots of passing because passing puts you in a position where you get control of the game. And that is really, really important because once you've got that, you're screwed. And we saw from the Titans, they just didn't know what to do because they, we got them out of their comfort zone and they were lost. Guys, one thing I want to say is it's really great. This week I had probably about 20 messages from people that listen to the podcast. So yeah, if you agree, if you disagree, just keep commenting. It's really nice. We'll always come back to you in our DMs. And uh, yeah, at some point soon, it'd be great to get you guys, the listeners on the show. So yeah, just keep talking to us, messaging us, keep commenting. And thank you very much for all listening. Well, real quick, I want to segue in. I promised it. I teased it at the beginning. And it's a good segue from what Jack just said about the coaching. We're going into Ravens week. And this is a team that the Browns have really not been able to shake all that well. We're up there with the Steelers and the Ravens. We've, we've done pretty well against the Bengals. So it'll be curious to see what game plan the Browns carry into next week. Because this, I think, was a perfect game for building some success. Because now Baltimore is going to sit there and go, well, shit, we can't pin our ears back to just stop the run. Because otherwise, Baker's just going to shred us up. So I think ultimately, the Browns need to come out next week avenge the 38 to six loss from opening day. They need to get the monkey off the back. That is the Baltimore Ravens. And ultimately the Browns know, even if the Ravens beat the Cowboys on Tuesday night, the Browns are nine and three, the Ravens are six and five. If the Browns go out and beat the Ravens, sending them to say seven and six, you're effectively getting them out of the playoff race. You know, last year, the Browns had playoff hopes, and I know they were minor, and the Ravens stomped them to pieces. So it'll be a huge hurdle, a huge stride for this team to come out and beat the Baltimore Ravens on Monday night football. You're, you don't have to worry about Booger McFarlane. We're going to get better commentators, you know, this year on Monday night football. So it would be nice. Monday night football, Browns, Ravens, let's go out and let's just bury them. You know, let's see. I, I really am optimistic that Stefanski and crew are going to put together a good plan. They're going to build off of that week one loss, and they're really going to just have this team firing on all cylinders going into what potentially could be a nice playoff run for the Cleveland Browns. And, yeah, let's talk playoffs. What is the situation at the moment, guys? We are fourth in the NFL, but we ain't going to win the division. So are we going to be playing against the Titans or the Buffaloes next? Uh, Jack, as of right now, the Steelers are the number one seed. The Chiefs are the number two seed. Those two teams may flip in terms of who gets the one and who gets the two. But at this point, you have to remember, Jack, they're doing what? Three wild cards this year? It's different. At the right? moment, if a game, get, if there's more postponements, then it could go up to eight. Which would mean that the, the number one seed gets the bye. And two plays seven. Three plays six, four plays five. Do I have that correct? So, if it, that's, is that is if it changes yeah, or if two, it's the yeah, way two, it is. seven, three, six, four, five, which would mean yeah. right now, since the Bills have not played, the Browns are lining up against the Titans because we're the number one wild card. They're the lowest seeded division winner. Now, if we were in the NFC, you'd be playing the damn Giants, but that's beside the point, who are ironically enough beating the Seahawks. But regardless, the, uh, you have the Browns, the Dolphins, and the Colts are your uh, wildcard teams with the Ravens, the Raiders, and the Patriots falling in after that. 
So if the Bills lose tomorrow night to the Niners, then I do believe the Titans then jump the Bills and the Bills come back to the four line because Tennessee has them head-to-head. I could, be, I could be wrong about that, but I believe I'm right. So as of right now, if the Bills win and go 9-3, to three, nine and three, then the Browns right now are lining up with the Titans at the four seed, which would happen in their, in their field where we just played. Yeah, if, if we keep winning, then it's going to be that Bills or Dolphins because that, that could flip, or it's going to be Colts and Titans. Um, that's basically the group you're uh, looking at playing. One of those four teams, if we finish fifth, is who we're going to face. There's no real chance it's anyone else. Um, so, uh, no, it, it, it's us up to us just to keep winning, stay comfortable. You've now got two win clear on the Raiders, but obviously they've got the uh, head-to-head. So, it's one that, yeah, that's looking like your group. Obviously, the Ravens could flirt back in there. Um, the Patriots looking at guaranteed to go 6-6 six to six now. Yeah, um, pretty big on Chargers. But uh, I don't think six and six is enough. I, I can't see us losing three more games. So um, I think we're good there. And guys, sorry for this. Um, maybe it's a new NFL fan listening to the show. But so just to be clear, Pittsburgh will win and get the seed, or get the uh, bye. And then the Chiefs will have to play the l- lowest wild card. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, because if, if the season ten ended one. today. So, for example, the Steelers have some tough games. They play the Redskins. Then they have to play Buffalo. They still have to play Indianapolis, Cincinnati, and Cleveland. So, if the Chiefs win, whoever gets the one seed gets the bye. At this point, it would be hard to see either the Chiefs or the Steelers not being the one seed. There's a long shot with the Bills. If the Bills beat the Steelers, them getting in there, the Steelers would obviously have to lose several of their games. We kind of want the Steelers to just keep winning so we can win in Week 17 as well. So, yeah, that's as right now. The, whoever finishes on the top line, either Kansas City or Pittsburgh, gets the bye week. The, the, whoever gets the two would play the seven, three seed, six seed, four seed, five seed. Ian, do you think there's any, like, do you think there's any chance of us not making the playoffs at the moment, being honest? Like, oh, okay. absolutely. Absolutely. It's the NFL. It's the, I mean, if you woke today, I still don't know how the hell the Raiders lost or won the game against the Jets, but the Jets were taking it to them. I turned the game off real quick to flip over to the Jacksonville-Minnesota game, and then I see a flash that Henry Ruggs scores a touchdown. I'm like, what the hell? So, yeah, if you, if you go in next week and you don't show up and the Ravens beat you down, all right, now you're 9-4. and four. And then, oh, you're, you're feeling sorry for yourself, and you maybe go in to play the Jets. Say you win one. You, you beat the Jets, you lose the Giants. Well, now you're 10 and five and the Steelers come in and kick your ass in week six or in week 17. Now you're 10 and six. The Dolphins, they win two more games. The Colts, I mean, there's very well a possibility. They need to win. They need to win at least two more games. Finish 11. If you get 11 and five, I think you're in. You're, you're in. The problem with them is they don't have any other shot at the division at this point. I mean, the Steelers are going to beat the Redskins. They're going to beat the Bengals, which puts them in a minimum 13 and three. So if they beat the Bills or the Colts, you know, they're 14 and two going into the playoffs. Maybe they play Big Ben the first half and then we get Mason Rudolph the second, whatever. But yeah, you have to get to 11 wins because if you don't come to play in the NFL every single week, you can take a loss. So the Browns need to continue where it is. The coaching staff, I have no doubt, is going to keep them focused, keep them firing off. I mean, you're the Browns. You've been the laughing stock in the NFL for 20 years. You better not go into any game smelling any type of anything. You better go in there like you did today and beat the hell out of these teams early. 
Because if you start giving – you give a team like the Jets life, you're going to be in a dogfight. You go up and drop – I'll tell you right now, the Browns get up 38-3 to on the Jets. Good night, Irene. It's going to end up 50-3. to The Jets aren't doing what the Titans did. The yeah, Titans, it, are, Titans are a good team. They'll fight you. Jets, Giants. And it's one of them that if you end up with Baltimore, the Raiders, and say the Dolphins, it's the three other teams that you're competing with for those three spots, two of them you've lost to. So they get their, they get their head start if you, it comes down to a draw. So um, it's one, yeah, if you get to 11 wins, it's all over. You're definitely making it with 11 wins. Um, we've just got to keep, keep winning. Um, obviously it's not we must win against the Ravens it's we really need to put out a strong display because if we go back to sort of the early season game against the Ravens then suddenly everything comes a bit shaky again whereas if we go out there even if we lose if it's a close game and we're really in it everyone then starts taking the team a lot more seriously um, because that, that's part of the issue and uh, some people are unhappy that there was jokes made about the eight and three Browns and how they were playing. Emily Mayfield called that out on Twitter, Mr. Stephen A. Smith. But you need to play well to have that long term, to do it again, repeat it. Because Browns fans, some of them might be happy, make the playoffs once, great. Lots of Browns fans want to be an annual playoff team. And uh, that requires a better standard of performance, like we saw today, where uh, you play like that for 16 games, you're talking about rings. You're not talking about are you making the playoffs or not. Paul, think about this. Next week, Monday night, the game is going to kick off at 8 o'clock, which is, what, 1 a.m. your time? Yep. You stay up to watch the game. If the Browns went out there and got throttled 38-6 to like they did week one, everybody, I mean, Darren Ravel, Stephen A. Smith, how many guys out there in the last week? The Browns are the worst 8-3 and team I've ever seen. The Browns are a fraud at 8-3. and The Browns haven't beaten anybody. They're 8-3, and even though they beat the Eagles, the Cowboys, they're all these perennial, you know, well-known names in the NFL that are having down seasons. When the Browns beat them, they get no credit. But now you just went into Tennessee, a legit team who, by the way, after they kicked the shit out of Indy last week, said would challenge the Chiefs for the Super Bowl. So this was a team that was now talked about that was moving up the Vegas odds in terms of their Super Bowl odds, and you just took them to the woodshed. Now, it happened at 1 o'clock on a Sunday. You go out and you put that beating on the Ravens next Monday night, people will start believing. Because people haven't watched the Browns games. They're going to look at a box score. They're going to see, oh, six points. No biggie. They didn't watch the game. They're going to look at stats, just like Stephen A. Smith out there blabbing his mouth about Baker's stats, not realizing he played three games in a hurricane. I mean, you got wins and all this stuff. Nobody, nobody factors that in. Well, did you know that Dak Prescott has more fantasy points than Baker Mayfield? Yeah, but Dak also took an L, and his team was one and three. So that's the thing. The NFL has become so fantasy points driven. And listen, is Baker perfect? No, not at all. Did he miss throws today that he did? That, I'm sorry, did he not miss throws today that he missed last week? Sure. Did he hit Jarvis Landry in the face with a pass because he had too much juice? Sure. It's okay. He's getting better. He's growing. I've seen a lot more out of Baker between weeks one and weeks 12 this year than I did last year. So that tells you that you got the right people in place. You got coaches that are developing. So you need to go out next week. And to Jack's point, if you play well and it's, it's a tight game where Lamar Jackson just does something great 
and you lose, it's not the end of the world. But if you go out and you play well and you put a, you put a beating on the Ravens, it's going to speak volumes for the Cleveland Browns franchise. Because as of right now, in a lot of people's eyes, we're still a laughing stock. We're still frauds. All right, well, look, we're nine and three. We've got the Ravens next week. Real key thing, they've got two games before they play us next. So I really do hope they get really knackered. No one hopes for injuries, but yeah. Yeah, we got the Ra- we got the Ravens will be coming on a short week, kind of, as they're playing on a Tuesday. So that'll be a unique one. And the Ravens have definitely had, between the COVID and the travel and the playing on Wednesdays, listen, it's the NFL. You're paid a lot of money. Strap the shoes up, put shoulder pads on, and let's get going. Let's play some football. You know what? If the Browns can get to 10-3, and three, baby, holy, that's what I'm looking for. All right, guys. Anything else you want to discuss before we finish up? I think that covers it. Uh, nice to see a lot of contributions. Nice of the defense to step up. Like I said, I had a little heartburn that Derrick Henry was going to do mad, bad things to us, and uh, – Joe Woods and the defense did what they did and they shut them down. So shout out to you, Joe Woods. Thank you. Jack, anything you want to discuss? Beautiful, beautiful pass plays. Uh, that's it. Love it. Speaking like a true Speaking over better. Is, love all right, last thing, last minute. Is Kevin going to get manager of the year? No. No, I think it depends what happens in the playoffs. Um, because if you've got a potentially perfect season then it's hard not to give it to um tomlin if the browns finish 12 and 4 and win their first round playoff game he'll be in that top line discussion with the andy reeds and the mike tomlins which is something i never in a million years would have said 16 weeks ago so yeah He's definitely in the conversation. And I think that as the Browns win these big games, especially if they win one on national television, he's going to be the apple of the eye of a lot of people. You know, the Chiefs are like, oh, how good is Andy Reid? He's got Patrick Mahomes slinging the pill 70 yards here and there. Oh, Tomlin. Steelers fans have only been trying to get him fired for about five years. So, I don't know if he'll win it, but he'll definitely have himself in the conversation. All right, guys. Let's finish up by saying... Here we go, brownies. Here we go. <laughs> woof, woof. Go, All Browns. Right, guys. Used to spend my nights out in the ballroom. Liquor was the only love I'd known. But you rescued me from reaching for the bottom And brought me back Being too far gone Your ass It's Tennessee whiskey